Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. With Lee Lonsberry, from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome to this Thursday episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. So much to cover here today. We have the future of the presidential debates. We have to look back on last night's performance from the University of Utah as the vice presidential candidates came together. We've also had a very uh, emotional press conference here delivered by Governor Gary Herbert, Dr. Spivak, along with Dr. Angela Dunn. We also heard from Justin Lee with the lieutenant governor's office who oversees elections, uh, reminding us that uh, an election is coming just a few short weeks away. And voting by mail is still the main and preferred option here in the state of Utah as we continue to battle this coronavirus. And he says, uh, Justin Lee, director of elections here for the state, that those mail-in ballots uh, should be arriving here uh, pretty soon. That's uh, that's good news for everyone wanting to get involved in the process. Interestingly, though, I, I would point out that 4 million, it's been reported that 4 million mail-in ballots have already been submitted. Just a fun fact, not sure what that indicates exactly. Uh, maybe it is that uh, a good portion of the population uh, already has their mind made up, <clears throat> larger even than the 4 million who have uh, who have submitted their ballots. I think that's uh, absolutely true. Many folks have their minds made up. Later on, we are going to open the phone lines and see if last night's debate changed your mind, what your reactions were, what your thoughts were. Uh, but before we get to any of that, we need to take one moment, just one moment, you and I together, uh, we're going to mention something once and only once. We're going to have, uh, instead of a moment of silence, we're going to have a moment of uh, of laughter. We're going to laugh for about 10 seconds together, and then we are going to forget it. We are not going to mention it again. It is not the main takeaway of last night's debate. Uh, it should not become a meme. It should not become a distraction from what uh, took place at the University of Utah uh, just last night. And it is, of course, uh, the the unexpected guest at the debate last night, the the little fly. So this is the one and only time I'm going to mention it. Uh, let's for a, a few moments here, 10 seconds, uh, we are going to have a moment of laughter together. So go ahead and laugh. Yeah, can you believe it? Landed around and said he had no idea. <laughs> oh, how'd the fly get in there? I wonder if it had to submit to a, a nasal test too for the COVID. <laughs> okay, we're done. That's it. That is the first and last mention of the fly. One final thing I'll say. If you make your way to my Facebook page, Lee Lonsberry, you'll see a, a picture of my little daughter, uh, Piper. She, uh, it turns out, uh, is also an attractor of flies. And there's a cute little photo there. Wouldn't mind you uh, giving that a little thumbs up. Uh, but again, with that, end of 
Flygate, not coming up again on this program. What I want to talk to you now, though, about is, uh, is some some interesting back and forth between the Commission on Presidential Debates uh, has made, as you know, uh, an announcement here this morning, letting it be known that the debate scheduled for the, the 15th is no longer going to be in person for the candidates. I'll I'll read you this very brief announcement. You've heard it reported uh, throughout the morning, but there have been some developments since this news first broke. It reads, In order to protect the health and safety of all involved with the second presidential debate scheduled for October 15th, 2020, the Commission on Presidential Debates announced the following today. So here, uh, and and let me count the, let me count the, this is, this statement is two sentences long. Two sentences, I'm sorry, three, three, there's an extra period. Okay, three sentences long, all right? Still not many. But the ramifications of this sentence could have dramatic impact uh, on this election, certainly, certainly on uh, those relying on debates to learn and get a, uh, a new and different look at their candidates. So it reads, again, from the Commission on Presidential Debates, the second presidential debate will take the form of a town meeting in which the candidates would participate from separate remote locations. All right, so you've got uh, President Trump and uh, candidate Biden uh, Zoom calling in uh, or whatever means they use. The town meeting participants and the moderator, Steve Scully, senior executive producer and political editor at C-SPAN, will be located at the Adrian R. Center for the Performing Arts of Miami-Dade County, Miami, Florida. The White House pool will provide coverage of the second presidential debate. So what do we learn there? We learn that, according to the Commission on Presidential Debates, uh, they have their own standards uh, for health and safety, larger than those or more expanded than those handed down by the CDC. Because, wh- why do I say that? Well, number one, we know that this change impacts only the candidates, the participants. And again, it's a town hall, so you have uh, you know various people from the community and from the country there participating, also in attendance, the moderator, uh, plus all of the technical officials uh, or the technical workers required to pull this whole thing off. They will all be there. Okay. And so how do I know that the Commission on Presidential Debates is expanding or at least taking upon itself the the responsibility to expand beyond CDC recommendations uh, what it deems to be criteria to ensure a, a safe and healthy debate? Well, this is how I know, because the CDC has been very clear for some time that you are able to resume your activities, uh, still exercising social distancing and wearing a mask and keeping your hands clean, but you are able to resume activities subsequent to a positive case of the coronavirus if you, if it has been 10 days since symptoms first appeared, 24 hours with no fever without use of any fever-reducing medication, and lastly, other symptoms of COVID-19 are improving. The president, if you look at his timeline, could could fit within this, could absolutely fit within this CDC criteria and safely participate in this debate. And yet, without consultation, without consultation with either campaign, the Commission on Presidential Debates has gone forward uh, and made this decision. Now, what does that mean? What could come of this? Uh, Well, the president was asked this morning on Fox Business what he thought about uh, this turn of events and this announcement, uh, this very brief 
and <laughs> absent of many details, uh, this brief announcement from the Commission on Presidential Debates. Here's the president's response in his own words. But I'm not going to so, do a virtual debate. So you're not. So, Mr. President, you're not going to do it because the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. The Trump campaign followed up that uh, that statement from the president with uh, a statement from campaign manager Bill Stepien. Uh, he says the American people should not be deprived of the chance to see the two candidates for president debate face to face two more times just because the Commission on Presidential Debates wants to protect Joe Biden. So that is the assertion and the accusation from the Trump campaign. Now, on the flip side, what does the Biden campaign have to say? Here is a statement from Deputy Campaign Manager and Communications Director Kate Bedingfield. She says, Joe Biden was prepared to accept the CPD's proposal for a virtual town hall, but the president has refused, as Donald Trump clearly does not want to face questions from the voters about his failures on COVID and the economy. Uh, as a result... Joe Biden will find an appropriate place to take questions from voters directly on October 15th, as he has done on several occasions in recent weeks. So uh, you take all of that, you mix it up. What comes out? Well, it is the highest likelihood uh, that we will next week not be witnessing a presidential debate in person uh, or remotely or otherwise. I want to know what you think. What should happen? The president's team has suggested postponing the second debate and having, as was scheduled, the two remaining debates, simply postponing them. What would you like to see happen? Is the commission being wise and prudent in making this announcement? Is President Trump right in accusing the commission of being in cahoots with uh, with Vice President uh, Biden? Or uh, is the Biden campaign correct in uh, accusing the president of uh, not wanting to face uh, voters? I want to hear from you. 801-575-8255. 801-575-8255 is the number. Please call in. I want to have a chat with you about this very issue. I believe debates are important. I believe that all uh, should be done to ensure that they do take place as scheduled initially. Uh, agree or disagree? 801-575-8255. Quick break and back with you on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. With Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You heard Maria Chaleos just mentioned that kidnapping plot, which was thwarted by the FBI to kidnap Michigan uh, governor. It is it is absolutely stunning. I've written read through rather some of the documents uh, released by prosecutors. It is it is like straight out of a movie, and it is terrifying that some of the behavior undertaken by the suspects, uh, ha- ha- if if you know if it proves to be true, just absolutely frightening. And we, uh, the reason I bring it up is just after the break, after the top of the hour, I'm going to spend some time. I want to walk through those documents with you. I want to share with you some of the stunning details of this plot. Should this have been carried out, it would have been uh, just, I can't even describe it. So stick with us just after 1 o'clock. I'm going to walk through uh, those documents and uh, all of the accusations leveled against those individuals, the six individuals in Michigan accused of plotting to kidnap uh, and kill the governor 
of Michigan. But uh, back to the topic at hand, and it has to do with the uh, the debate. Not last night. We'll get to that one later. That, that was that was really something. And Utah ought to be proud for uh, the show it hosted just last night on the campus of the University of Utah. But I'm talking about uh, the the storyline developing right now surrounding the debate, the presidential debate scheduled to take place on the 15th of this month. The highest of likelihoods right now is that this thing is off. Why? Well, because this morning the Commission on Presidential Debates announced that the candidates would be participating remotely. We have since learned that the highest likelihoods is that those campaigns were not consulted before this brief announcement was made. Both campaigns have weighed in. The president has said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to be. That is not something I'm going to be doing. I'm not going to waste my time on that. And uh, Joe Biden uh, has has responded as well, uh, saying that, yeah, OK, instead of uh, doing that, since the president refuses, I'll go out and handle this uh, on my own. So the highest likelihoods is the Commission on Presidential Debates has removed itself from the equation on the 15th. There was a proposal from the Trump campaign to alter the calendar, to uh, keep two presidential debates uh, on the on the calendar, just move them uh, down the road a little bit. So we'll see if something, some hybrid of all of these ideas uh, and announcements comes to fruition. But in the meantime, I want to know what you think. Do you do, should there be a second and third presidential debate? Should it take place virtually? Should the president uh, accept that change? Should Joe Biden instead go off? And there are so many things that could happen now with this announcement from the Commission on Presidential Debates. I want to hear from you. What do you think should happen? Uh, Kicking things off, uh, Tamara from Draper. Uh, Tamara, what do you think? Hi. Uh, Well, first of all, when you said, should there be another presidential debate, kind of made me think of something different. Um, If if it turns out like the last one, maybe not. Uh, But I think there's two ways of looking at this one. One, in my estimation, if uh, Fauci, Dr. Fauci, gives uh, Trump a COVID test at least twice before the debate, and they come up negative, then I can see doing a face-to-face debate, you know, in person with social distancing, that I can see. If they won't do that, and they so far won't release when he had a negative test so far, right. uh I, I think the virtual thing is good. And the fact that he said, well, you can't, I can't just say whatever I want. They'll just cut me off in a virtual debate. Well, that makes me think that maybe we shouldn't have another debate because he needs to be cut off so people can talk and answer the questions. Yeah. So what do you think of that? I don't know. Well, no, you, you bring up something interesting. And, and the, the president submitting to uh, testing and revealing, you know, in a very transparent way, the results of that test, should they be uh, two negatives? I don't know why. I don't know why anyone would oppose to getting the whole band together and having the in-person debate as scheduled, this town hall style on the 15th. The, 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 only, the only problem with that is that the Commission on Presidential Debates uh, made no— I mean, there is nothing to read in this statement that makes it seem like they would allow for something like that. It is not—it's uh, not conditional. It is simply saying that the candidates will participate from separate remote locations. Everyone else will be gathered together in Florida. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that would be a wonderful solution. I'm just not sure that the commission is in a position right now to to accept that type of uh, of situation. Uh, Tamara, thank you so much for your call. Thank you for listening. Uh, moving on to Greg. Uh, Greg, sir, from Salt Lake, what do you think? Um, I think the president is 
so concerned about being silenced or muted uh, in a virtual debate that he doesn't want any part of it. He interrupted and interrupted and interrupted that entire thing, and both of them got elevated in emotion, and it turned into a laughing stock. And and he doesn't want to be a part of that. If he can't interrupt, he doesn't want to play the game. Yeah. Let me ask you this. As you compare what took place last night here in Utah, on the campus of University of Utah, the debate between the vice presidential candidates, if you compare the way those two candidates behaved themselves compared to last Tuesday's presidential debate, what if what if Susan Page from the USA Today, who moderated last night's debate, what if she had had a mute button? Uh, would she have used it, and how would that have impacted the debate, do you think? I don't think she would have used it. Um, honestly, they were both composed and they were respectful. Obviously, they were sharing their opinions and thoughts, but it wasn't out of control like we experienced with the president and candidate Biden. So you, you don't think the mute button, uh, this hypothetical mute button, would have made an appearance last night? Last night, no. And okay. honestly, when I was done watching that debate, I, I said to my wife, you know, I think it, right now it would be easier if we were voting for the vice president candidates, Harris and Pence, for the president. You know because what? Because I'm very discouraged about our choices. I had a very similar conversation with my own wife last night. Uh, Greg, listen, thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for calling in, uh, and thanks for your views. Uh, last caller here from Elena, uh, calling us from Clinton. Elena, what do you think? Um, I don't think that Biden should debate with Trump. Trump doesn't debate. He is a bully. He's a, a elementary school bully in the playground. I mean, he does. He didn't answer questions. He just wanted to be mean, and he does that in all of the settings in which the press um, allow him time to speak. I mean, he bullies the women and he bullies the reporters. No, he he doesn't know how to debate. He knows how to bully. And I don't think it does the United States any good to put that on that show on anymore. All right. Uh, let me ask you this. Is it possible, you know, you know, President Trump has certainly demonstrated uh, a desire to be front and center today, uh, at least on the conservative Republican side. Mike Pence is the star and he is the star because of the way he uh, behaved himself last night, the way he presented the position of the president from the t- uh, and the ticket in the party. Is it possible that President Trump could look to the performance of Mike Pence last night? And seeing the positive response that he is getting, Mike Pence, that is, that the president may then pattern his behavior in a subsequent debate after uh, the current vice president. Or, or is that wishful thinking? What do you think? I think that's wishful thinking. All right. The president has plenty of advisors to try and help him to um, be a president of the United States with respect. And he does not listen to them. Yeah. So why would he think his vice president, Pence, would be an influence over him? No, he doesn't listen to others. And I don't think that um, he has the capability. All righty. Well, listen, Elena, thank you for the thank you for the call. Uh, and that is certainly a view held by many. I am I, still hopeful that there is 
the capacity in all candidates who are participating in this race right now, the, those at the top of the ticket and the bottom of the ticket, to learn uh, from what happened last night, from what happened last week, and to adapt uh, and adjust that behavior. How will we see that adjusted behavior? We really don't know. It's up in the air. Taking a break right now, and when we come back, as I promised, we're going to dig into this wild story coming out of Michigan, a plot thwarted by the FBI to kidnap the governor of Michigan. She's speaking now. We'll hear from her next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.